Live from this is the Just End the Suffering Podcast. For the win. Got it! Oh! He broke his head. Follow me. Follow me with freedom. Here's your host, Mike Phillips. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the Just End the Suffering podcast featuring New York sports talk and long-suffering fan. I'm your host, Mike Phillips. I got a good show for you this week. We are getting ready for the fantasy football playoffs this year. Congratulations if you somehow made the playoffs this year. I did not in either of my leagues, but I'm still going to help you guys out get ready for the fantasy football playoffs. We'll be joined by Alex Fasano from Sports Grid. You remember him last year, did our fantasy football preview. He had eight fantasy teams. He has six this year. He's got some in the playoffs. We're going to talk about the fantasies as a whole, some strategies help you get ready for your matchups this week. See if you can advance in the fantasy playoffs, get to the semifinals. We're also going to do our show in the money week 14 NFL picks. I'm going to be joined by Will Schneiderhand, official co-host of this podcast. We had a good week last week in the podcast. I went two and one on the picks. Look to build momentum. Plus we got to talk about the jets there. The Greg Williams situation. What a mess. Stay tuned to the end of the show for the two minute drill. I'll talk about the Mets GM search a bit. I did talk Mets on the podcast a couple of times last week. Talked to Mike Puma and Justin Toscano, the last two podcasts. And I have some thoughts on this situation, why I haven't found anyone yet. Plus, my take on that Andy Martino infamous comment about how it's not a reasonable goal to win the World Series if you're a baseball team. But we'll get all started with this week's opening tip. We're going to take a look at the surprising first place, New York football Giants, right after this. Ready for this? The opening tip. And here we go. All right, we are back here. Opening tip, talking New York football Giants. We are here in December. The Giants are alive. They are well in the NFC East, and they are in first place. There may not have been a more stunning result this weekend than the 17-12 win the Giants posted in Seattle. They improved to 5-7, first place in the division, without their starting quarterback. Daniel Jones didn't play in that game. He had the hamstring injury. Colt McCoy played. Defense was the order of the day. They dominated it. And it's, a, it's crazy because remember back at the beginning of the season, Giants were 0-5. They look like they were competing with the Jets, the top pick in the draft. We we're sitting here debating, well, is Trevor Lawrence going to be wearing blue or green in New York? But fast forward to now. Now the Jets are 0-12. They are still in the mix for Trevor Lawrence. The Giants have gone 5-2 since that 0-5 start on the strength of literally awesome defense. Patrick Graham, new defensive coordinator. His unit, as Peter King pointed out in Football Morning America this week in his column, They've allowed just 18.9 points per game since week six. That's going to win in this league, in this league where offense dominates the NFL. If you're giving up less than 20 points a game, you're going to be in the mix every year. Leonard Williams, the Jets fans cannot wait to get rid of this guy. He was an underachiever in New York. Change of scenery, literally a change of green to blue. Did him well. He's got eight and a half sacks this year. Make himself some money in the free agent market this winter. Blake Martinez, tackling machine. He has stabilized that linebacking core. And how many years the Giant fans said, we haven't gotten a linebacker. We need linebackers. Please draft a linebacker. Now they sign one. He's been a huge help. 
James Bradbury in secondary, another big signing in the offseason. He's doing his best throughout Rios impression. He did a good job on DK Metcalf in that Seahawks game. He's been doing a good job following the number one receivers around. On top of that, they're also getting these random contributions from guys. From your guys like your Carter Coughlins, your Darnay Holmes. Look, every week there's somebody new stepping up and making plays. This defense, that's why they were on the road with the back of quarterback. And that's why they took a game that I admit, I put in the loss column. I feel like 98% of Giants fans, again, truth to them, would tell you that they had it in the loss column. They have a win here. And I know you Giant fans don't want to hear it. You got to give some credit to Dave Gelman. Much more line airing this year. He did make mistakes with the decision to try and build around Eli Manning, end of his career, taking Saquon Barkley instead of taking either a quarterback or drafting Quentin Nelson. He's done a good job this year. His draft has worked pretty well. His offseason moves, his free agents have come in and done well. The Leonard Williams trade is working, even working out for him because the Jets got a three and a five out of that. And given his production, the Giants will probably do that trade again. And you got to think here. If the Giants win the NFC East, he's coming back for another year because they want stability. The, the Maras and the Tishes, they are an organization that prides themselves in having a stable regime. If you're winning a division title here, I think he's coming back another year. Year two of Gettleman and Judge working together. I think that's going to be a lot. The NFC East now comes down to two teams, in my opinion. Yes, Dallas is still kind of floating around the periphery. The Eagles are a lost cause. Now they switch quarterbacks. They're 3-8-1. and one. They're not going anywhere. The NFC East now appears to be down to the Giants and Washington, who are also 5-7 and seven after they upset the Steelers on Monday and knocked them from the ranks of the unbeaten. One of the more shocking results of the year. Goes to figure that in a year we're talking, oh, Philly-Dallas, Philly-Dallas, Dallas-Philly, who's winning the division? They're out of it, and it's going to be Giants and Washington who had a combined projected win total about, like, 10 entering the year. Let's take a look at their remaining schedules. Remember, the Giants have a head-to-head sweep on Washington, so Washington has to finish ahead of the Giants to win the division. The Giants this week, they host Arizona. They host the 9-3 Browns. They go to Baltimore. They go to they host Dallas. So three of four at home. The football team. This week they go out to San Francisco, play them in Glendale, Arizona, host Seattle, host Carolina, go to the Eagles. The football team's been more competent since Alex Smith took over. Their defense is playing well. You figure, okay, they're probably going two and two. The question is. Can you get two more wins out of the Giants' schedule? Because if you're matching them at 7-9, and nine, you're going to the playoffs because you have the head-to-head. Having the 3-4 of four at home does help. You figure they'll beat Dallas Week 17 at home because they nearly beat them in Dallas back in Week 5. That's with Dak Prescott playing most of that game. The AFC North games are tougher. Cleveland is probably the toughest game they have left on the schedule. It sounds hard to believe, but it's true. The Browns are 9-3. They run the ball well. They play good defense. That's a tough matchup. The Ravens in Baltimore is never easy. We'll see how Lamar Jackson looks in the next couple weeks. He comes back from the COVID diagnosis. Maybe he gets back on track. The potential is there for the Ravens. They're inconsistent, but this week against Arizona is absolutely huge. The Cardinals are 6-6, but they've lost three in a row. They've lost four or five. The one win in that stretch, the Hail Mary play from Kyler Murray to DeAndre Hopkins. If that ball gets batted down, they're coming in here on a five-game losing streak. 
The Cardinals are flying east. They're playing at 1 o'clock p.m., 10 a.m. body time. They did this earlier this year. They went into the stadium. They beat up the Jets 30-10 back in Week 5. This is not the same Arizona team. Kyler Murray's banged up. They've had issues on both sides of the ball. You figure this game is one the Giants could easily win. Either way, there's a race. That's a lot of fun for New York football. We have been so starved for success in this town. We have not had anybody be consistently in the mix since 2016 when the Giants went to the playoffs of the wild card. Then they had the boat incident and lost the Packers. You could have a home playoff game in January. Stinks that might not be fans there. You could have Tom Brady coming into MetLife in January with the Bucks. You could have Russell Wilson coming back with the Seahawks looking for a rematch of that, of that loss they had this week. You could have the Rams coming in. You could have one of those three teams coming in, and that will be a lot of fun to see what's going on there. Other way, a lot of fun. But up next, we're going to talk fantasy football. Do a fantasy football playoff preview with Alex Asano right after this. Catch. He's really been their best receiver. Buck 20. Carr again. Quick strike. It's caught. Waller breaking free. Waller still on his feet, and he will stroll into the end zone for the touchdown. All kinds of breakdowns for the Jets and the Raiders in front. All right, we are back here on the podcast talking fantasy football. That call courtesy of CBS's Spiro D. If you had Darren Waller on your fantasy team last week, you picked up a win. You got 200 yards receiving, two touchdowns. Join me today. Somebody like to talk about fantasy football with. He works for Sports Grid. He's a bit disappointed. His Steelers finally lost this week. Alex Asano is here. Alex, how are you? I'm good, Mike. Thanks for having me again. My condolences yeah, on, little, your, on your Steelers. A little disappointed, you know, but um, as Coach Tom would always say, you can be disappointed on uh, on Monday or Tuesday, but then after that, it's back to work. So, short memories. Yeah, were you fortunate enough to have Darren Waller on any of your fantasy teams this week? I was not, and actually tight ends are uh, one of my struggles this year uh, for a multitude of reasons. It's just rough, rough position this year for tight ends. It's definitely a rough year this year. I mean, I'm in two leagues. I did not make the playoffs in either league. How about you? Did you have more luck than I did? Yeah, I actually, uh, last year I did eight leagues. Uh, I think I made the playoffs in two of them. I won a championship uh, in one of my about, this is an eight-year league, so I am the defending champion. I also have the highest record in that same league again, so I'm hoping to go back-to-back uh, in that league. But I have about three or four of my teams this year. I only did six six leagues uh, this year. I got three or four of my teams in the postseason as of now. Uh, so we're looking pretty good. Yeah, I'm the defending champ in one of my leagues as well. I'm not going to win that league. I have the Troy for a couple more weeks, but I am playing for some pride in this week. I'm playing... My team is in 11th. They're playing the guy who's in last. We are playing. We put 20 bucks on the line. We are playing for a sandwich at our favorite deli. That's the prize this week. Hey, you know, exactly. It's always fun to play till the end. Uh, and if you happen to get one of those top uh, teams trying to make it into the playoffs, you know, it's always fun to play spoiler too. So I always appreciate and respect fantasy players who go till the end, no matter what their record. Yeah, plus I don't want to finish in last place, so I'm going to try and go all out here. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. Speaking of this year, I mean, this year when I began, I kind of wrote it off. I said, eh, this is going to be difficult because of the COVID situation and guys not practicing, guys getting hurt, guys sitting out. And I feel like this has been one of those years where, like, it's just so hard to actually manage this year because of all these issues. Yeah, you know, and that's one of the uh, old age-old fantasy adages is, you know, teams with depth go the furthest. And this is a specific year for depth. The teams that were able to draft, uh, a lot of positions, specifically, like I said before, tight ends and, you know, the, the flex players that just wait and sit on your bench until they come out and step up. 
So uh, it's always good to have a lot of depth on your team, specifically this year with COVID. Yeah, and COVID definitely wrecked things because obviously, like, you couldn't play on the bye because the NFL changed a bunch of them because of COVID outbreaks with the Patriots and the uh, and the Titans over there. Plus, like, I don't know about you, but I personally kept the backup quarterback on my roster the entire year. Something I never usually do if I have a stud. I usually just drop the guy, but I can't afford you with that one. Yeah, actually, uh, I, I never kept the backup quarterback on my roster. I did stream a couple leagues where uh, my starter was, uh, you know, I didn't draft a quarterback at a reasonable time. I just said, I'll play around with one of these two leagues. Um, but I never had two quarterbacks on my bench. But kudos to you. That's a good strategy. Yeah, I have on my bench. It doesn't matter for me, but it's just you're the one going, I've seen going to the playoffs. Let me ask you this. Are you playing your strategy any differently knowing that there's the COVID issue out there and games that get postponed on a whim? They could, you could have key guys rule out. Are you trying to be more flexible? Obviously, you want to stay flexible. Um, I actually have to deal with a lot of my teams with the Will Fuller suspension uh, this was my first week with that um so again it's all about the depth and who you can plug in i put in you know claypool which obviously didn't work out this week i, I could find like maybe uh like a zach moss again another one who didn't play out this week but like you know again it's the depth that's the key and uh it's just you have to be flexible i'm not really changing my strategy or anything it's just i'm not really looking the waiver wire i trust who i have on my benches and uh, i just got to plug and play the right one yeah, I hear you there. And this year as a whole has been very interesting because I feel like if you look back at the first round of the drafts, a lot of the guys that went there didn't end up meeting expectations, but we did have some surprises. Who are some guys who popped out to you as like, boy, they were surprises here and they really helped out their teams? Um, For me, first glance is obviously James Robinson. I mean, for Jacksonville, the rookie, he has almost 1,000 yards this year. Um, and he has beaten me a couple of times uh, throughout my league. And I recognize him well. So James Robinson, uh, one of the surprises. Justin Herbert, too, you think of uh, just as quarterbacks, obviously. You have those rookies that'll pop up. You know, Joe Burrow, when he was healthy, uh, hope he's recovering well. It's just all those, um, uh, the, the rookies, really. It's really the rookies. Uh, and also, too, you mentioned him, Darren Waller. Uh, well, not really a tight end uh, everyone expected. He played well towards the end of last year. But, like, this year, I mean, one week he has, 13 points the next he'll have five but then he'll pop off for 20 points the next week and he'll go back down to five and then like we just saw he had like a 45 point game in some leagues this past week against the Jets so uh there's a couple that just immediately come to mind yeah I think for me the guy that comes to mind is Justin Jefferson on the Vikings who had got drafted replaced replaced the Stefan Diggs role now he's one of the NFC leaders in touchdown receptions he's been a big play machine you drafted him you did very well yeah I actually drafted him in one of my leagues uh I was uh, very surprised. He actually pushed me into the playoffs in one of my leagues. So kudos to Jefferson, and they really do have a stud there. I think he, what he just broke a record for, like Randy Moss or something. He he now most the first thousand yards uh, season for a Viking since Randy Moss, I believe, or something like that. So kudos to Jefferson. Yeah, he's a very very good play. Yeah, all those rookie wide receivers have done well. You mentioned James Robinson, the rookie running back. Let's go the other way. Let's talk about some of the disappointments. I feel like. Like I said, the top of the first round, I feel like a lot of the running backs got hurt or didn't anything. Remember Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley was a debate in in, uh, in August for the draft. None of them, like obviously, both have been hurt. I think to me, though, the biggest disappointment is Lamar Jackson because you drafted Lamar, if you get a repeat of last year, you've gotten basically an average fantasy quarterback. Definitely. Lamar hasn't been, you know, showing like the Lamar he was last year, but there are still a couple weeks. You know, these are still the playoffs. And he is ready to bounce back and, and, and play hard. So I expect if you have him in your uh, on your roster, the playoffs are going to be the best place for him. Um, but in talking about butts, like you said, it's the injuries. So first one that comes to mind, obviously, run CMC, Christian McCaffrey, uh, just 
a shame what happened to him. And he was a first round draft pick in almost every single league ever. So um, Zeke too, not really an injury uh, excuse, but Zeke, I mean, four out of the last five weeks, he's only, only got about single digits in terms of fantasy points. So that's not really the Zeke we know, obviously. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens again. There's still a lot of football left to play, and these are the playoffs in fantasy. So, But Zeke really hasn't been the Zeke we know. And one that plagued me specifically, and I keep mentioning tight end because this year is just so rough for tight end, Jonu Smith. I mean, he started out the season so hot. His first four games, he went into double digits. And then the next three games, it's two points, one point, four points. He had zero points this past. He wasn't even in the game, I think. It's it's just so uh, rough when you think you have a solid tight end because of how scarce it is at that position. And then he just falls off the cliff in the middle of the season. So, yeah, John Smith, not one of my uh, best fantasy players right there. Big, big, big fantasy bust. Yeah, let me give you my top three picks in my league, and I can and you can guess how my league went that, based on this. First round was Julio Jones. Number two was Lamar. Number three was Kenny Galladay. You can guess how I'm doing in that league. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's uh, uh, very, very rough. I'm sorry to hear that, buddy. Yeah, plus I think the fourth round, I think, was like Le'Veon Bell. I mean, saw what happened there, too. Oh, man. I actually had one one, one of my teams had uh, Le'Veon Bell, Saquon Barkley, and uh, Keenan Allen, too. Uh, so I think he's my only uh, strong point at this point. Yeah, it was funny because for a while I thought, okay, if they guys get healthy, they'll be fi- I'll be fine. I have enough firepower. They just never got healthy. Yeah, too bad, too bad. You know, injury plague season. Rough on everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And let's go to this week because obviously if you are fortunate enough to make the playoffs and you have a need, let's look at the waiver wire. Who are some guys that you say, I got to go grab this week to help me out? Well, again, I reiterate the teams with the depth are going to go far. So hopefully you stacked up and built your bench throughout the uh, upcoming week. Some leagues, I know one of my leagues actually closed the waiver wire uh, for non-playoff contenders. So uh, you really got to jump on them when you can. Uh, the only one that comes to mind, in my opinion, Kiki QT. I mean, he had 141 yards last week against the Colts' coveted defense that everybody loves to praise. Uh, and this week he's going up against Chicago. Um, and Chicago, you know, we're looking at a team that uh, allows about 350 yards total per game. So I think QT is there. He's stepping up in Will Fuller's absence for being suspended. Uh, I unfortunately did not jump on the waiver wire fast enough for QT. Uh, so if he's still there, get him while he's hot. Yeah, I also throw out there, if you are a desperate running backs, you could, I know this is going to st- be a stinko bomb here, but you can go to the jet backfield because both Ty Johnson and Josh Adams looked very good last week, and Frank Gore is out with the concussion. So if you are desperate running back help, that might not be a bad place to go. Absolutely. Running backs are, again, another tough position. You know, you want the pass catching backs, but when it comes down to it, if you need a running back, just go for someone who's going to start. And in this case, yes, like you said, uh, Frank Gore being out. Shame about Frank Gore, too. Yeah, the one thing that's cost you with about, with Frank Gore is that if he's healthy, Adam Gase will run him into the ground despite the fact that the other two guys are more effective runners and Gore should only be a short yard guy at this point in his career. But what do we know? We are just fancy football owners and he's an NFL head coach. <laughs> exactly. And no one knows what's going through Adam Gase's head. No, no one is no, knows what's going on there. But let's also look at the quarterback position because obviously you ha- if you've drafted a stud like Patrick Mahomes or Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers, you were like, hooray, we're in the playoffs. And I forgot Aaron Rodgers in the sleeper category, by the way, because I feel like he got underdrafted this year. What do you think about that? I actually got Rodgers uh, in my league where I am the defending champion, so I was very happy with it. I trusted Rodgers, and uh, he's leading me to a championship. Mr. Rodgers' Neighborhood uh, is the team name. So uh, very happy with Rodgers. But if you're looking to stream a quarterback, I mean, 
Uh, what I'm looking at here, I guess Andy Dalton, uh, he's playing against Cincinnati uh, this week, a team that allows almost 400 total yards per game. Um, and he's got a, he's going to bounce back. Again, there's a lot of football left, and the Cowboys still think that there's a shot to win NFC East. It's still open to anybody. So um, Dalton definitely playing with a fire uh, in him. And Phillip Rivers, too. Uh, he's, he got a big win uh, against Houston this past week, and he's going up against Vegas um, in Vegas. But you know what? They're both playing for a wild card spot in the AFC. Uh, and I got to give my credit to Rivers. He's been playing well um, with a great defense, nonetheless, in Indy. So uh, I think Rivers is a good option as well. I love the revenge game factor for Andy Dalton because obviously he's playing as his old team. They were quick to move on from him to get Joe Burrow there. The Bengal defense is bad. That could be a huge spot for him this week. Absolutely. Totally forgot to mention that. Good call. The revenge game. Um, you know, yeah, it's in Cincy, too. So, you know, he's going to be uh, trying to do whatever he can. to, And he knows that field. He knows that stadium. So maybe give, give a little edge to Dalton. Yeah, I also throw out another sleeper here because this team's a competitive. And this is the quarterback who's played well the last two weeks. He's been on the wire. Mike Glennon at the Jags. They got some decent weapons down there. He played well against the Vikings. Over 280 yards. Touchdown in there. Tennessee is a beatable opponent. We saw last week in Baker Mayfield. There were four touchdowns against it. So if you're on a quarterback buying, Mike Glenn is not a bad option. Yeah, definitely. It's a divisional game, too. So you know Jacksonville's going to do what they can to try and stop the Titans' playoffs. So uh, it'll definitely be a close one. Yeah, let's go to the defense. Because obviously, defenses, you're looking for matchups, matchups, matchups. And I think, for me, obviously, look at that Jets schedule. See who they're playing. If you can get the Seahawks off the wire, but that's not a bad one this week. Who are some other ones you got your eyes on? Um, one that immediately comes to mind is the defense that just shut down Russell Wilson in Seattle, and that's the Giants. Uh, they're playing Arizona this week, and Arizona coming off a loss against the Rams. Arizona's got their back against the wall, and I think Kyler Murray uh, might still be injured. Um, he's just, you know, trying to play through it. He's a kid. He wants to show that he can fight through it, but he just doesn't look the same. It's not the same team that we saw to start the season. And the Giants, I mean, hey, if Daniel Jones is out there, that's just a bonus. But that defense is unbelievable. If they play like that, like they did against Seattle, uh, definitely going to put some points there. And Tennessee, uh, unfortunately, you mentioned Mike Lennon as the quarterback of stream. But the Tennessee defense, you know, they, they let Baker Mayfield run all over them. But they are playing, like I said, a divisional game. Their backs are against the wall. They're playing for the division at this point, hoping that the Colts can get another loss uh, under their belt. But Tennessee, I think, is still a viable option. Yeah, also throughout the Washington football team as well. We saw what they did to the Steelers yesterday. And, I mean, they got a game against the 49ers in Glendale this week. I think they have a good shot there. Their Week 16 matchups in Carolina, that's one they can do well in. Week 15, you want to avoid them against the Seahawks, sure. But this team can get some sacks. And, you know what, this is a good play this week to try and get you into the next round. Sure, Washington, that front line is unbelievable. I'm just worried that they might not be on the waiver as available as you think, because not even after this past week, but over the last couple of weeks, the Washington defense has shown their stuff. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're very scarce uh, on your waiver wire. So if he's there, definitely grab the Washington football team defense. Yeah, and unfortunately, pick the pick on the Jets strategy might not work very well. But what about the pick on the Bears strategy? I think that's also a decent option. The Bears? Oh, yeah, absolutely. They're playing Houston this week, too. Uh, something where, you know, Deshaun Watson is, definitely uh, upset about his losses so maybe he's a little in his head a little bit so Chicago can take advantage of that as well yeah because I think with the Bears the Bears offense is being so bad I mean they got gains here you could say okay maybe the Texan defense is on your wire they haven't been great they're something somebody you can keep an eye on I think also like the Jacksonville defense maybe week 16 if that's something I could also consider but we have to get there first 
Yeah, absolutely. A lot of football left to play. A lot of football left to play. There is a lot of football left to play, and you still have three weeks to go, unless you're one of those crazy people who plays in week 17, and I don't think this would be the year to start doing that, in my opinion. No, no. I actually have most of my leagues that are starting to play off this week. Um, I think I have one or two leagues where it's like another extra added week. Not really sure why, but um, I think it still ends by week 16, uh, so that'll be cool. Yeah, so I feel like this year, there's always the argument, like, oh, like, does the title different this year because of COVID? I feel like, honestly it might mean a little more considering how hard it's been. You had to be nimble to try and keep yourself up there. You had games switched on you, Leslie. Buys switched on you. You've had guys sit out because they were close contacts, not even having the virus. So if you got to the end and you're winning it, I feel like good job on you. Absolutely. And like I mentioned before, one of my leagues as a defending champion with the best record in the league as we speak, knock on wood. I mean, if I could back-to-back title here, that just, like you said, adds more to it that I had to go through a COVID season to get the second title. And uh, it's just harder, like you said, uh, canceling games and not knowing who has COVID and who's going to step in, who's going to step up, surfing the waiver wire constantly to see who's available. It's definitely, definitely a harder year. And even if it wasn't a harder year, I think you still got to be proud. A fantasy championship is a fantasy championship. That's, a, that's an accomplishment. Yeah, I've won three in my in my group of leagues over the past couple past couple of years. I'm not going to have it this year, but I'm looking forward to next year being a bit more normal, where I don't have to worry about as the commissioner sitting here on Sunday morning say, "Hey guys, we might not play Pittsburgh, Baltimore this week, so give me backup options in case your guys can't play." Yeah, obviously we want to return to normalcy. Uh, time will tell. Hopefully, like you said, it all goes back uh, to the way it was, and we won't have to worry about this too long. Yeah, I think they're going to be fine next year because once they finish this season now, they're going to seems like they're going to power through, get to the end as fast like whatever cost it may take them to just get there. They're going to be there next next September, next August, the preseason vaccine should be widely distributed by then. So they look like they're going to have one bad year and then sort of be right back up where they started. Let's hope. Let's hope. We can only hope for a return to normalcy. We only can, Alex. Thanks for all the time. I really appreciate. it. Before I let you go, I can people follow on social media and keep up with some of the stuff you're doing over at SportsGrid. Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Alex Fazano, F-A-Z-A-N-O. Uh, follow us at SportsGrid. Uh, we're doing a lot of great stuff with FanDuel, and um, you can catch us. We're going to be on Sirius XM in about a month or so. Uh, channel. Let me just make sure I have the correct channel for you here. Uh, here, Mike, I just want to make sure I don't want to be giving away the wrong channel. It will be channel 204 on Sirius XM, January 7th. 2021. So catch us all, uh, all the great content on Sports Grid Radio, and you can catch us on MSG Plus uh, every weekday from 9.30 to 11. Yeah, it's definitely a lot of fun, Alex. Thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. Always a pleasure. Show me the money. All right, showing the money, NFL picks for week number 14 are here. Joining me today, the NFL co this podcast. It's been almost two months since he's been on. It's way too long. We have to get him back in the mix here. Will Schneiderhan is here. Will, how are you? Good, man. Good. Happy to be uh, happy to be back after a little uh, sabbatical, right? <laughs> yeah, we took, you took a little hiatus doing your own thing. Now we're back here. We're gonna, we picked a good week to come back and talk about the Jets. Yeah, definitely. A uh, little movement in on that front. <laughs> Yeah, a little bit indeed, but just to set the scene here, I mean, we were talking about Jets-Raiders last week. Raiders coming that game, seven and a half point favorites. I swear, this was a roller coaster ride the whole way through. Yeah, I. Uh, it's funny, you know, I, um, 
I, even when um, I do it on, on my podcast, I don't like try to like speculate on uh, firings and stuff as much. You know, I try to like really think about the game. So I've actually found myself like even amidst the fact that like the Jets could lose out and get the first pick and stuff. Like part of me in that game is like, I, like holy crap! Like we might the Jets might win this game. Like that. <laughs> I, I was kind of as a fan for a minute. Like yeah, let's go, let's get this win. But I mean even before I could sell myself on the fact that the Jets were going to win and I was excited for the win. Yeah. You next thing you know, um, you know, Aguilar drops the ball in the end zone. Jets go back on the field. Then the Raiders get the ball back. Uh, rugs. I mean, it was like, I, I, I'm just like, okay, whatever the game's over. The Jets lost. I just had to go away from it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and just for people to reference it, I do have the call of that play courtesy of CBS's Spiro Ditas. So here is the replay of that game-winning touchdown. Jets coming. Carr put some air under it. Wide open is Ruggs for the touchdown. Miraculous. I'm going to cut him off there because I don't think this is specifically miraculous because the this was moronic on the Jets' part because... <laughs> We go through this game. They're going back and forth. Jets grab lead two minutes to go. The Raiders don't convert on a number, on four or five fourth down opportunities, but the nine yard line. Jets go three and out. They get the ball back. Like you said, the shot to Nelk is not going And then for some bizarre reason, Greg Williams decides, you know what? I'm going to send the house on this play and leave, and leave undrafted rookie Lamar Jackson on the fastest guy on the team, Henry Ruggs. And we saw how that worked out. Yeah, I just want to shout out Lamar Jackson. Like, if anybody is throwing any hate and like slander his way, like, just as in general from that whole game, like, Marcus May said it. Like, listen, I have no problem speculating on someone who's kind of already lost their job. That's kind of like my theory. If they're out of the building, they're out of the building for a reason. <laughs> um, so, like, Marcus May was like, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta put us in a better situation. Like, yeah, that's unfair for that rookie. All, all game, he was on an island by himself and. So if Lamar Jackson's listening to this man, you got a fan right here. I know it wasn't your fault. <laughs> yeah. And props to Lamar Jackson too for actually going on the post game zoom and answering questions about that call because he could have easily just ducked that. Seriously, I um I I'm not even joking. I, this kid was uh when I did a few mock drafts for the Giants, I actually was putting him in there. I know he went on drafted obviously, but he's like a he was like a guy that I've, I've kind of like known kind of kept my eye on because he can play a little bit. And um you know, you see him make plays around the ball, and I think he's a guy that could definitely be a good piece for this team. So, you know, if, if you're a Jets fan who passively watches, and that was like your first time watching him, that wasn't <laughs> that wasn't his fault, man. It really wasn't. I don't know many corners who are going to, you know, go hip to hip with Henry Ruggs on a double move on one on one coverage, and, and it's going to end the right way. <laughs> yeah, and we we were talking about it on the day of the game when this happens, and we're in our in our group chat with Martino Puccio, another friend of the podcast, we talked about it, said, you know what, like. This team is serious about winning. Greg Williams is going to get fired the next day. And sure enough, Greg Williams gets fired the next day. And we saw the media go out and, you know, hammer him, which, I mean, he should have. That was the one of the dumbest calls <laughs> in the history of football to blitz on that situation. But why do you think that – first of all, start with Greg Williams. Like, your thoughts on the firing? I mean, it's like we just said. Like, it, it, this is something – like, what we've learned from the Jets and in, in whatever it may be your opinion on it, like they don't really like to do firings in the regular season. It's just how they operate, right? It always seems to be at end of the season is when you reevaluate and go. So for them to do this with him now, someone is obviously very pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> um, and rightfully so. I, I don't, in my opinion, like they're speculating on it. 
you know, somebody obviously had to avouch for Greg Williams to bring him in, which is fair. You give him a shot. He's had success where he has been, but he has also been in like, like at the back end of whatever success he had had, it always ends pretty ugly, doesn't it? With Greg Williams, it, it's never, you know, <laughs> it doesn't feel like most, um, most ba- of his prior stops. He bounces around quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, most of his prior stops don't seem to be very <laughs> sending him bouquets, like throwing bouquets at his feet. So um, him getting fired is just something where, yeah, you, there was no way he could show up to work this week and, and have that room and have, you know, a guy like Marcus May on his side. You know, it's just that they're probably rolling his eye. Okay, yeah, coach, you got it. We'll do it. So I think um, it's something that you definitely had to it – was, it was the right thing to do for the pulse of the team. Yeah, the accountability factor here, because obviously, like, the coaches are not trying to lose, and that was just moronic by Greg. You can't send the message of, oh, like, we're going to do that. He'll be back, but but he's coming in anyway. But the question I yeah. I think you, I, I have, you have, all the Jet fans have is, is like, Greg Williams obviously got the he deserves. He got, he got fired, and his defense is not doing great before that, but... Why isn't Adam Gase getting the same kind of heat? Because at the end of the day, he's the one who has to prove that play call. He couldn't have, he could have just told Greg Williams, no, we're not blitzing here. Uh, yeah, you know, see, this is my thing with Gase, just in general. Like, I think from what I have gathered from him and, like, seen in Miami, he is a guy who, I don't know if he's just entrusting the guy, you know, like, from all accounts, he doesn't really, like, he's not involved with the defense as much. Okay, whatever. That makes, like, some teams are like that. I get it. But you're right. In that situation as the head coach, you kind of would like to see him like be like, whoa, okay, no, guys, just drop, uh, you know, man three deep or cover, you know, just man up deep for prevent, whatever. Um, but he seems like a guy who like, okay, Greg Lane has made the call. That's his job to make the call. So that's his call. So, you know, I don't – I'll be honest, like, I'm not the biggest, you know, I'm not going to sit here and like be like you sing the praises of anybody, Adam Gase too, but like, at one point, like, if I'm Adam Gase, I'm trying to coach this football team in the offense. I can't be worried about like like you have to trust your defensive coordinator in that situation. In all honesty, and and I just think really it is it was just such an egregious error by Greg Williams, and that's it. I truly believe that. Yes, Gase could have jumped in and vetoed it for sure, but I do understand. I see the other side of it where it's like, dude, his job is to call the defense. That is not my job. His job is to put the defense in the best place to succeed, and obviously. From what has transpired, Greg Williams didn't do that. Yeah, that's definitely fair. But my point is this. There's 10 seconds left in the game when that play is snapped. And what could you possibly be working on that's other than, oh, we have to keep them out oh, of the end zone and I, win the game? I completely agree. I completely agree with both sides. Yeah. Trust me. I just I could see where it's like, you know, okay, that's, you, you trust your defensive coordinator to do it. But I, I, see, I definitely see both sides of it. Yeah, it's definitely a problem, and it's definitely something where, you know, you feel for the guys in that room because obviously all us fans saying how you're going, oh, tank, 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 lose every game, get Trevor Lawrence. But, like, the coaches don't want to lose because they're not going to be here next year to get Trevor Lawrence. No, yeah, the and play- the players don't want it. The players don't want to have 0-16 on their resumes. They don't want to have that. So you understand that, like, you know, they're they're trying to win. So, like, when something like that happens and they had a win take away from that, I would be pissed off too. Yeah, it's like you said, I, I'm one of those people who I hate the narr- like the idea of tank. Like, I really do, because it doesn't work, and it doesn't exist. Like, it, to me, like, even like you saw with the Philadelphia 76ers and stuff like that, I don't think I want to rant here, but tanking, there is, like, very minimal circumstances where it's proven to work, but there's way more circumstances. For example, Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City, where you're constantly going to the playoffs, and you still get that guy. 
So I hate the idea of tanking because like you just said, players don't do it and coaches don't do it. So the people who us as fans are saying are tanking are not tanking. So yeah, like you said, man, that's like Marcus May. He was gutted. Like, dude, that he wants that win. You don't want to be 0-16. You want to get that win and see what happens and see what momentum brews from that. And like Frank Gore, remember, uh, didn't Frank Gore say earlier, like, hey, if this is my last go round, I'm not going, I'm not going out 0-16. It's just not happening. Yeah, it's definitely not. And they're 0-12 right now. They're still in the desert of the top pick. They're going to Seattle this week. Jamal Adams revenge game coming up yeah. here. They're they're big, big underdogs. I don't think either of us took this game. It's the first time I haven't picked against the Jets. They've been more competitive, but this is definitely another loss on the way. Yeah, you know, I could here's my one thing though. That Seattle defense is I'm against the Giants, they played well. I'll preface it like that, but that Seattle defense is not good. Specifically through the air, and kind of what, uh, um, of course, Mims it might not play this week, right? Isn't that the news? Yeah. He had a family emergency. Yeah, family emergency for Denzel so, Mims. He might not play. So, unfortunately, you don't get to see him. Great rookie. I'm excited about him. But, Paraman Crowder, you got those guys. Like, they've kind of moved the ball more in the air where I could see this game being slightly more competitive than most people are assuming just because, like, that, that defense is just the secondary. It, 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 they get torn up through the air they really it, it, there's not much uh there's not much pass defense there uh specifically because the guy they pay to, to pay to play safety is only effective when he's around the line of scrimmage yeah we're gonna we'll save the jamal slander here for a little bit later but like i, <laughs> I think the number for this game is there are two touchdown that feels about right is why i didn't touch the number this week no yeah yeah it, it, it's gonna it i can't imagine the defense really making enough plays in this one, unfortunately. Yeah, it, it's not going to. Let's go to the pick is the reason why we're here. Our good friend Sandra Rosa is here last week. She had a two-in-one week. She had the Packers laying nine and a half. They won the game against the Eagles. Carson Wentz got benched. She had the Bills laying a two and a half in Glendale against the Niners. They won that game handily. And she had the Steelers laying a nine and a half. Tough break because the Washington football team came back to pull off the upset. So two-in-one week for Sam. Not bad. In that last game, I mean, who saw that coming? <laughs> yeah, I clearly didn't. I said all I liked all three of those picks that you made them last week. <laughs> yeah, I also went two and one on the week. I won with the New Orleans Saints laying three in Atlanta against the Falcons. They won that game by five. I took Sam's Jaguars laying getting nine and a half in Minnesota. They almost won that game outright. They lost in overtime by a field goal. I did bet on the Raiders laying the seven and a half against the Jets. I saw how that turned out. <laughs> <laughs> Almost, right? <laughs> Almost. And the Jets quietly have covered in three of their last four games. So they are starting to actually be a little slightly more competitive. Very nice. Yeah. On the year, teen challengers are 21, 17, and 1. So solid run out of them. I'm 25 and 14 so far this year. So I feel like I'm out, I'm out, I've had a good run this year. I'd say so. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's get to the picks now. Let's go... Let's start making them for week number 14. Will, you, as the guest, you can go first. Where are you going with pick number one? So I'm going to take Cleveland plus uh, one and a half against the Ravens. Uh, why is that? I think Cleveland is playing far more competitive. We've seen it in the past. You know, I, I, they're nine and three, right? Ten and three, something like that now. Yep. So, um, I really love what they're doing, what Kevin Stefanski has done. That play action, amazing. That off of that run with Chubb and Hunt, and the Ravens just 
I don't think they can throw the ball enough. We saw them beat the Cowboys uh, on what, Tuesday night, and it was all run. There wasn't enough pass. I don't know if that defense makes enough plays. And I, I think this is the game Cleveland finally gets in that division. Yeah, I think it's going to be a very fun game on Monday night because this is, I think, the biggest game in Cleveland Brown football for about, let's say, decade or at least because this is a game where I think if they win, they're going to the playoffs guaranteed because they're going to put themselves two up on the Ravens, and that's going to be massive for them. Uh, uh, absolutely. All right, where are you going to pick two? I'm going to take the Chiefs uh, minus seven against the Dolphins. I think the Chiefs are going to win this game by multiple touchdowns. Miami is... Um, are competitive. I love what Brian Flores has done down there, but they just they their offense is not efficient enough right now. It's it's very slow. It's kind of very boring to watch. Um, and Kansas City's Kansas City. I, I just I, I'm surprised this number isn't bigger. To be completely honest with you. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's a kind of sitting around this seven because of the Chiefs were a little sluggish against Denver last week. But remember, Quiet was hilarious not playing that game. He had the illness, didn't practice all week, was active, didn't actually suit up. And this is one where you look at Tua and, like, he's not keeping pace with Patrick Mahomes. They're going to run up and down the field, the Chiefs. They're going to up lots of points. This is like a two-touchdown win, so I like that pick from you. Yep. All right, and then uh, let me, I'll round it out here with my third pick. Uh, Dallas, minus three and a half against the Bengals. I like what I saw from Dallas against the Ravens. Uh, Andy Dalton looks far more comfortable. Got C.D. Lamb far more involved. Michael Gallup make a play. Cooper was involved. Elliott looks better. I know they had a long layoff, but I don't think Cincinnati's competitive enough, especially without uh, Joe Burrow under center. I know Dallas is banged up. Dallas has their own issues, but I think Dallas is going to win this game by at least you know that number, if not a little bit more. Yeah, I think also the revenge game for Andy Dalton is a nice factor here because he goes to stick it to the Bengals to trade him. Yep, absolutely. All right, I'm up now. Pick number one. I'm gonna, this is the third week in a row I'm going with these guys. They've covered both times. I have four and one that I've taken them this year so far. I'm taking the New Orleans Saints again, laying the seven against the Eagles in Philadelphia. Now they switch quarterbacks this week. Jalen Hurts is starting. It's not going to matter. Drew Brees could be back this week. Even if he's not, New Orleans defense is legit. The Eagles are a complete disaster. They're going to get run up and down the field on. This could get very ugly in Philly on Sunday. Again, this, the Ozmakers don't respect the Saints enough. This is a line that should be closer to 10, in my opinion. I'm getting 7, so I'm going to lay the touchdown with the Saints, pick 1. Very nice. Yeah, they are the team of my picks this year. Number 2, I'm going to take a dog here. I'm going to take the Washington football team, getting 3.5 in Glendale against the Niners. And obviously, they, this line shifted a bit. It started out with 5.5 point fares in the Niners. Gone 2 in Washington's direction. I'm still getting the hook, which I love, and I think... That defense is solid. The Niners, we saw them get exposed badly. This is a neutral site game, so they shouldn't even really have the home field bump. Washington is playing better lately. Give me the football team getting three and a half pick two. I like that pick. I like that pick. <laughs> That's pick number two. Pick number three. I'm going to take a team that they're not laying a lot on the road. Most is mostly a pick against the home team. I'm taking the Texans laying a point and a half in Chicago against the Bears. And that team is going to go into absolute free fall right now because... They've got Mitchell Trubisky fumble away the game against the Bears. This team's lost against the Lions on Sunday. They've lost six in a row. This team is basically dead men walking. The Texans have been playing playing very well of late. They're around four and four since Romeo Cornell's taken over as the head coach. They're playing inspired football. Deshaun Watson nearly won last week. He didn't fumble on the goal line. Only at a point and a half. Basically, they have to win on the road. I think they can do that. So I'm going to take the Texans, laying the point and a half. We pick number three. Very nice. To reset the picks here, Will has gone with the Chiefs laying seven points in Miami against the Dolphins. The Dallas Cowboys, Andy Dalton going back to Cincinnati, laying three and a half to beat the Bengals. And the Browns getting a point and a half at home as underdogs on Monday Night Football against the Baltimore Ravens. 
I'm going with the Saints again, laying seven in Philadelphia against the Eagles. The Washington football team getting three and a half in Glendale against the 49ers. And last but not least, the Houston Texans laying a point and a half in Chicago against the Bears. Those are your picks for week number 14 of the podcast. Coming up next week on the picks, my good buddy Justin Diaz talking New York Giants football. And as we're recording today, they just got flexed into primetime next week. Yes. Playing them, playing the Cleveland Browns, a big football game. Yeah, excited. Really excited, honestly. That's going to be, uh, you know, who thought that was going to be flexed in, right? Yeah. <laughs> and they flexed the Cowboys out. You know something has to go very, very wrong for Dallas to get pulled out of primetime. Yeah, I um, I can't watch another Dallas Cowboys primetime <laughs> game. <laughs> let's be honest. Well, now you don't have to. <laughs> yeah, let's. Uh, if I'm a Cowboys and a Cow, if I'm the Cowboys and a Cowboys fan, uh, let's just reset. Hope Dak comes back. Uh, I'll see you next year. Yeah, fire Mike Nolan while you're at it. Yeah, yeah, that that defense, man. I tell you, I I, I really like um, I really like what they do down there. But that defense, my gosh, too talented to be ripped apart like that. Seriously. Yeah, they absolutely are. Well, thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Before I let you go, people probably on social media, keep up with your podcast. Yeah, so on social media, at Will Shutter H1. And my podcast is the Green Skies Podcast. Uh, you can find it on Anchor FM. Uh, Phillips, Mike, you referred me to that. Thank you. Love it. And um, I, I, I share that link on my social media. I have it in my bio. And uh, I try to get a podcast episode out each week. It's been a little tough sledding here. Uh, kind of dealing with some um, <clears throat> like cold stuff, my throat, some stuff, some stuff. But uh, I, I got episodes on there, trying to keep them coming. So if you want to listen to me talk about some Jets football and some other NFL and fantasy stuff, yeah, definitely give that a listen. Green skies, uh, love it. Thanks, Mike. No problem. Props to you though for starting the Jet related podcast, the other Owen Twelve. <laughs> I know, I know, man. Couldn't have picked it at a better time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And before I let you go, one more question here: Any thoughts on why the Mets haven't found a GM yet? Uh, I think I just think it's gonna play it play it slow because you got Sandy there. Uh, he knows what he's doing, and I, I just think Steve Conan. I, I don't think they want to rush into anything. I mean, my honest opinion. I know some people are really up in arms about it. I'm honestly not. You got a guy who's done it before, so he can run the show until things get get um more you know more more shored up, and there's there's a candidate that they absolutely want. Yeah, indeed, and I have my thoughts on that as well. Let's get up in the two minute drill right after this. The two-minute drill. All right, we are back here talking two-minute drill, talking the Mets GM search, and as of recording time, they still do not have one. Recording on Tuesday, December 9th, there is no, December 8th, excuse me, there's no GM yet. There is a lot of thought about why. And I want to start with Andy Martino from SNY, who raised some feathers last week when he made this brilliant comment on baseball on SNY's Baseball Night in New York. Nutshell, winning the World Series isn't really a reasonable goal for a baseball team. It's a nice thing to have happen, and it's ultimately the top of the mountain. Uh, but a, a general manager and the head of a baseball operations department is more interested in putting a good process in place. Now, let me... Make this clear. He phrased this very wrong. He's gotten slammed on social media for this. The idea that you are in a professional sport to not win is a very bad example to have here. 
I mean, players killed him on this. Mike Piazza killed him on this. He got ripped on the radio. He is not wrong, however, and he did address this in a blog post. I'll link to it in the show notes. What he probably meant to say, and he does go into his blog post on MetsBlog.com a little bit, is that, of course, you want to win the World Series every year. That's the ultimate goal. But the way the playoffs are is something I've alluded to in the past. The system's not set up to do that because it's so random, and you get in, and then you have to win a five-game series, at best a seven-game series, and another seven-game series to win it. Or you could be unlucky in the wild card round, play a best of three or a one gamer. If you're in the traditional format, you could be done. There's a reason the Yankees, the Dodgers, and the Rays were usually in the hunt every year, combined two world champions in 2009. Those teams are in the mix match every year. The Dodgers have won the division every year since 2013. They've been to the World Series three times, won once. It's really hard. And one thing that Martinez pointed out is that it seems like a lot of candidates who would be. Good fits for this job. Seem to have been scared off by Steve Cohen saying that he wants to win a championship in three to five years. And it's a reflection, in my opinion, of what baseball has become. And he, Andy Martino agrees with this. Very few teams are actually going out there to try and win every year. It is much easier in baseball to say, we have a process. There is a method to the madness. You see what happened with the Astros. They tore down and they built with a farm and they won. You saw what happened with the Cubs and they ripped down the studs and they drafted all these guys high in the first round and they won. We're going to do the same thing. That way is sort of your kick the can down the road theory. So why should you blame me when stuff isn't happening? Why are we spending on the best free agents? Why don't we need Garrett Cole last year? Why don't we need Trevor Bauer this year? We have a process that revolves more than just signing players. We're spending money smarter. Why can't we win now? Just look down at our minor leagues. Look at our prospects. Look how many great top 100 guys we have or how highly rated our system is in Baseball America. That's the problem with baseball right now. There is not enough of an incentive to win. The idea of the process has made baseball executives, in my opinion, very cowardly in some areas because they say, you know what? I like my job. I don't have to win. I can just say, we're building something. Give us time. We're going to build it. There is no motivation of, I want to win right now. Like, let me go get the best catcher on the market because he can help us. Let's go get a center fielder to help us go from 82 wins to 86 wins. There's no motivation to try to be the best you can be. It's either we're going to be there or we're going to build slowly. The Mets used to be in the latter camp. Now they're more in the form, in the camp of the Yankees. The Dodgers say, hey, let's go for it every year. This is the problem with baseball right now. There's not enough teams who have that mindset of, I want to win right now. It's a lot of, if we win, it's great, but let's build this cost-efficient process so that if we win, we won't be spending a ton of money doing it. That's a major issue with baseball. That's why we're heading for a labor war next winter because you have good quality big league players who are left sitting in the free agent market, even in non-pandemic years, as teams say, you know what? I'm not going to pay the 30-year-old average second baseman who's got Make my team a little better. I'll just pay them the kid right out of the farm about $550,000 to play that position for the about a win-less utility. Is the veteran going to make my team better? Sure, but why am I going to spend $10 million? I get, this, I get a similar production scale for $550,000. Not enough teams are aspiring to be great. Everyone is saying, let's build a decent team. If we get in, we'll get hot. Maybe we win. If not, not a big deal. 
the Mets will eventually find their guy. But anymore, if you point this out, is that a lot of these executives are used to just hiding in their cocoon saying, I have a process, I have job security, I want to take a risk where if I come to the Mets and I don't win, I could be out of a job in three years. You have a chance to come here and make a legacy in this town and say, I built a winner in Flushing. They will build a statue of me because the Mets built one of World Series under my leadership. There is none of that ambition. It's like, let's play it safe. Let's not make the ambitious career move. The Met job is a great job. You have an owner who wants to spend money to help you get the best players. He's willing to commit resources to improving your analytics team and building up the farm system. And you have a great mind to work with in Sandy Olison. People should be flocking to this job because you can have basically the keys to the, ca- the castle. But the expectation is you have to win. Is it fair to say win a World Series in three or five years? It's not fair, but it should be a goal. The fact that we don't have more executives willing to take on that risk to try and go for the gold and try to win now, it's a big problem, in my opinion. It's something baseball has to fix to make this sport great again. And with that, we're going to do it with this week's show. I want to thank my guest, Alex Fasano, for hopping on the line to talk about our fantasy football playoff preview. I also want to thank Will Schneider, unofficial co-host of the podcast, for taking the time to do the week 14 picks and talk a little bit about what's going on with the Jets and the Greg Williams situation and Adam, why I'm still here. You want more stuff like this podcast, including my look at why movie theaters are in trouble. I saw the announcement last week that Warner Brothers is going to put their entire 2021 slate both in theaters and on HBO Max. Check out the blog over justsendthesuffering.wordpress.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, all the usual suspects. Simply search for Just and the Suffering on those platforms. You can find oral episodes there, including we had a double dip of Mets episodes last week. We saw we talked to Mike Puma of the on the Mets offseason. We also talked to Justin Toscano over the weekend, talked some Mets, did the Mandalorian recap in there as well. Just search for Just and the Suffering Repair Podcast. You can find all of our episodes there. If you have your feedback and star ratings as well, help make this podcast even better going forward. It means a lot to me, guys. Please do that. Click that subscribe button. Leave a five-star review if you liked it. Let me know what, what works, what doesn't, so we can make this even better going forward. You can also subscribe to my YouTube channel, Mike Phillips, on YouTube. I put the individual conversations from the podcast up there as well. Our conversation with Alex and Will will both be up there shortly, so be sure to check those out. You can also follow me on Twitter at mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-L-I-P-S-3-3-1. And that will do it for this week's edition of the Just and the Suffering podcast. Coming up next week, we do have a lot of fun things coming up here for you. We got... A little basketball. We're getting ready for the next season here. We're going to do some NFL picks and more. Until then, I hope you have a better week than the Seahawks fans did. This has been the Just End the Suffering Podcast. I'm out.